Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line, as he does every week, Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, good winner, going well, and um, exciting times here in Australia with a, a new Prime Minister. Um, Who'd you vote for, Caddy? Are we allowed to ask anybody that? Does anybody, yeah. why, does that, why is everybody so afraid to come out and say who they voted for? I've never quite understood that. I don't know. I think there's just been some written rule around uh, religion and politics generally, and um, yeah, I don't get get it quite either. I think we're all pretty um, pretty happy to share our footy teams and things like that. But it's funny because some people do um, religiously barrack for some of these um, political <laughs> yep. parties, which I've always found quite odd. But um, yeah, I was just I just grabbed all the pamphlets on the way in and kind of. I did it. I, I refused, Caddy. I took just liberal. A, a few, a few tried to hand me off, and I fresh aired them. I said, I don't need any of that. You, yeah, you hold on to that. Ended up going liberal as well, but I think um, the Labor candidate won our seat, and I don't think it was necessarily a, one of the ones that they were expecting to lose. But um, yeah, they obviously picked up a few out in the in the, in the inner suburbs of a few of the. Uh, cities around the country, and um, yeah, send a strong message to the to the voters and the political parties of, of the country. They certainly did, but I mean, it was it was heading that way. When when Sportsbet have got them a very short prize, caddies, they they know they know what's going on. Instead of having an election and making everybody line up for an hour uh, to vote, why don't we just go to Sportsbet see what they reckon, and, and let's just do that and save oh, everyone a bit they, of time. They might have got it wrong though. I think last time around, because I think Labor might have been the actually. I think you're right. They did, yeah. The last election, and um, yeah, it couldn't quite get it done then. But uh, they found their way back in, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting times for the next uh, next three or four years. Certainly will be labour labour going about as well as, as your Collingwood team, Caddy, who had a had a very good one today, a very good win today against Freo, which was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it was. Yeah, now they handled themselves really well after a few ordinary weeks, and have set up a an old fashioned blockbuster at the G next week against uh, their old enemy Carlton. Um, Ooh, how, yeah. how many? How many's getting to that, Caddy? Surely we're getting um, around the eighty thousand mark. Is yeah, it? That, if, what day is it? Is it Sunday? It's yeah, Sunday. Sunday yep. three o'clock. So if you're ever a chance, it's it's going to be that to crack the eighty. But yeah, I think conservatively you'd be looking for a seventy plus for sure. And um, yeah, it'll be good to get yeah uh, old fashioned blockbuster back of the G. Certainly will be. But uh, there's a couple of blockbuster. Matchups going on in the moment in the NBA, Caddy. So we'll we'll start with the East, where we saw Game Three t- today, uh, Miami Boston. I'll just quickly run through the lay of the land so far. So, so Game One, it was Miami one eighteen one oh seven. Boston unfortunately had no Marcus Smart or Al Horford in that game, and it was basically on the back of the third quarter. Miami outscoring Boston thirty nine to fourteen. Boston were only two of fifteen from the floor, which was the the worst quarter that Boston had uh, over the last four seasons. So obviously, not great timing to come out with that. But they bounced back strongly in game two. They they got both back. They got back uh, both Marcus Smart and, and Al Horford. It was one twenty seven one hundred two. Boston Smart came back had twenty four nine and twelve. Just sort of illustrating how important he is to Boston. And then today, Caddy in a very eventful uh, game three, it was Miami that hung on in the end one hundred nine. 103. As I said, it was very uneventful, uh, very eventful. Sorry, there's a lot to unpack here, but Bam Adebayo was outstanding after pretty subpar uh, first two games. He had 16 points in the first half, which incidentally was all he'd tallied across the first two games. He ended up with 31 points, 10 rebounds, uh, six assists, and four steals. Uh, Jalen Brown was outstanding for the Boston Celtics with 40 points and nine rebounds. Did had did have seven turnovers. A lot of those. 
uh, attributed to Victor Oladipo's defense in the second half. But as I said, Caddy, there's quite a bit to unpack here, but I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Caddy. What, what did you take out of this game? Was it one for you that just sort of highlighted how resilient Miami can be, or do you think it was one where Boston sort of can look at this, say that they didn't play all that well and still nearly came away with a victory? Yeah, I think it's probably the fact of, yeah, Miami, it, it, it's so unpredictable of what you're going to get night in, night out, not only with the lineup, but yeah, who's going to sort of come on and, and be the leader. Obviously, Bam Adebayo had a huge game today. It was absolutely incredible, the numbers that he put up. But then, obviously, Kyle, Kyle Lowry back into the lineup today gives them another look, obviously, as well. And then it was uh, Victor Oladipo in that second half, uh, defensively in particular, that yeah, didn't even play, I don't think, in the first half after um, had been in the rotation uh, for the first few games here. And yeah, he just really stepped up from the defensive side of things and just made life so difficult for uh, the Boston Celtics players. And yeah, they, they've just got so many different looks they can they can show the opposition, uh, Miami. And, and to Boston's credit, they did fight their way back in to what looked like it was going to be a, a significant blowout early in this one. But, uh, yeah, some injury concerns of their own with um, yeah, Tatum going off for a while and Marcus Smart, but they're able to, yeah, not quite get the job done. And, and How bad yeah. Marcus Smart's ankle injury just looked horrendous, didn't it? The way that turned and then the fact that I think it was Bam fell on it as well. That was the way he went down. I didn't think he was coming back, but to, to get back out there and contribute was was a was a fair effort by him. Yeah, I did, and then when he came back, I just couldn't believe how how um, he was able to yeah continue to play at the level and, and really for no no care about the ankle at, at that time. And so you, you'd have to think that's going to be blowed up, blowing up pretty big uh, over the next day or so. So you'd have to be in some doubt, you'd think, for the next game. But yeah, to be able to come back out, hit a, a huge three, and really get the momentum going back their way. Uh, but as we said, they just weren't able to to finish it off, and it was uh, the Miami guys that were. Um, yeah, you know, just closed it out and really resilient and um, hit some big shots down the stretch and, and got things done. So, uh, and, and some really tough shots, you know, at the, at the end of some of these shot clock runs where you thought, oh, well, Boston's, you know, done a good job here to hold them out. And then they were just able to to get, make things happen and, and hold that lead and take, um, you know, take the advantage back here two games to one. Yeah, I agree. It was it was the resilience of Miami that stood out for me. So they were up by 25 points late in that first half and Boston closed on a 10-0 run to cut it to 15. And from a – obviously, I'm a Miami Heat supporter. So looking at that, you, you're looking at halftime and you're thinking, geez, they've dominated the game, but they're only up by 15. It was just – it was basically that 10-0 run and the fact that Boston were, were getting to the free throw in a lot. Uh, free throw line a lot. That was the only reason that they were, you know, even in the game at all at halftime. And then we had the Jimmy Butler injury, of course, where apparently his knee blew up, so he didn't play at all in the second half. And you're thinking, geez, they're going to be up against it here with with a crowd, which you know I'm sure you could hear it through the through the TV as well, Caddy. Just a couple of times when when that crowd really got going, it was sort of spine tingling. So for them to be able to stand up uh, in the face of adversity, you know, Boston made a run in the third quarter. They cut it to nine. Uh, Miami got the lead back to 15 at three-quarter time, but then Boston cut it to one point with, with two and a half minutes to go in the game on the back of a Jalen Brown three. And and you're thinking from there, geez, Miami are going to be up against it here. Their, their, ad, their offense have become pretty stagnant. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, who had been outstanding right throughout the playoffs and is certainly their go-to guy uh, down the stretch. Um, 
you know, with with Tyler Harrow also struggling to find his shot. He wasn't even out on the court late in the game. That's how bad he had been throughout the game. It looked like at that point that Boston were going to run over the top of him, but a big uh, Maxi threw, threw three ball in the next possession and then a stop. And then, and then you mentioned the fact that they hit some some tough uh, jumpers late in the clock. It was Bam Adebayo that hit an extremely tough jumper with about one second left on the shot clock, probably got fouled, but he was only a step inside the three-point line, and that that pushed it out to to six points, and they were sort of able to to hold on from there. But for me, there's a couple of guys I wanted to highlight from my Miami Heat perspective that that played crucial roles in this win. Kyle Lowry, obviously coming back into the lineup after he'd missed the first two games, just a difference having him out on the court. We saw we saw early on after a made basket by Al Horford. He quickly pushed the ball ahead and Jimmy Butler ended up scoring and getting an and one. Just after a made basket, you rarely see that, but it's that typical Kyle Lowry hit ahead pass that got that. And then he hit a pull-up three uh, about a minute after that. And that was just the difference, um, just that experience he brought to the table. And then he sort of shut the door on them when they were, when there was a little bit of light late in the game. He stole that that inbound pass to Marcus Smart and passed it off to Struess, I think, who laid it up. And that was the end of the game. So I thought... Lowry, although he only had 11 points and six assists, he, the stats didn't really sort of illustrate how important he was uh, for Miami in the game today. PJ Tucker's the other one I wanted to illustrate. 17 points, seven, seven rebounds, 38 minutes. Now, he, there was a huge question mark on him coming into this game because he didn't play this, I think it was the second half of the last game with an injury. So to front up, uh, contribute 17 points in 38 minutes, but more importantly, take the take the defensive assignment on Jason Tatum, who only had 10 points, three of 14 shooting. He also played uh, the the centre position a lot. Uh, Dwayne Dedman only played three minutes and had three fouls. He's basically unplayable now in this series, so I think you'll see going forward that uh, PJ Tucker does play that small ball five for Miami. But just his physical defence on Jason Tatum was outstanding. As I said, held him to 10 points on three of 14 shooting, and you could see Tatum was starting to get very frustrated. So... Uh, Tucker was huge, and you and you touched on Oladipo as well. As you said, didn't play at all in the first half. Twenty minutes, only had the five points, but the four steals and three of them were on Jalen Brown, which I mentioned earlier had the seven turnovers. So he's his defense on Brown in the second half was outstanding. So those three guys there for me was the reason, along of course with Bam Adebayo, who had you know the thirty-one points, were, were the reason that they were able to get across the line. What about for Boston Caddy? Obviously, you know going forward. Robert Williams didn't play in this game, which which certainly would have helped uh, Bam Adebayo get away uh, get away to the best game that he have in the series. But uh, are you looking at you know Tatum to step up? Is it is it someone like a Derek White off the bench? Who 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 outside these guys do you, do you think need to step up for for Boston to get back into the series? Yeah, well, I think you know I don't think there's a whole heap they've got to do differently. Probably need to start a lot better than they did in this one. But Tatum's not going to have a game like that again. You wouldn't think um, he's been pretty spectacular really through the whole playoffs and you just wonder whether you know they've had really tough series against Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee you just hope that they haven't you know run out of gas at this stage but uh, yeah he looked he looked pretty ordinary today but you'd think he he'll be able to bounce back in particular and you know if he goes from 10 points to 30 points then things look you know pretty different absolutely look I don't think Derek White's the answer I think they've lost a little bit of confidence in him uh, through these playoffs he's not even looking to to shoot or score at all at the moment is he just sort of looks devoid of confidence he actually had a, a lot of trouble actually handling the ball today as well yeah he did yep. he was quite fumbly which led to a few turnovers as well so yeah they, they were their turnover numbers today were were really really ordinary 23 I think it was in total so um yeah look I don't think they'll have 
that type of issue again. But they, yeah, they really would probably need Robert Williams back in into these games here to assist uh, stopping Bam. Um, Grant Williams didn't quite get things going either. He's moved to a bench role uh, in this one. So yeah, look, I don't think it's panic stations at all yet for for Boston. I think you know if they can hold fire again now at home make it two all, head it back to Miami, then that's obviously the best case scenario for them. But yeah, you know, they're not going to get another Tatum game like they did today. He just, you know, at one point I think he even shot an air ball from the top of the top <laughs> He of did. The, uh, when Struess, well. he, had, he had Maxi Struess, which is who you'd probably want in a switch, and he, he shot an air ball, as you said. So yeah, he just looked really devoid of confidence. And he went off late with that shoulder injury. There didn't seem to be much in it, but you'd you'd hope obviously from a Boston perspective that that doesn't linger. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, obviously Marcus Smart's the other one that they'll be keeping an eye on um, over the next few days. So look, both teams are, are pretty banked up, really. I mean, I, you look at the injury report that comes out every day and it's, a, you know, there'd be four or five Miami guys on that on any given night, whether it's Vincent. They do that every, they've done that every game for every year. There's like certain guys that are questionable for every single game. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, we get the best of both teams and Butler's knees okay and, and obviously Tatum and Smart on the other side. Um, they're going to be okay, hopefully. So, yeah, you want to see both teams at their full capacity and, and look, it's going to be a, a good series the rest of the way. Yeah, so you would hope Williams can get back. Daniel Tye started. He only played the 10 minutes, didn't contribute too much. Grant Williams essentially was was playing, you know, as as a four or Orford was a five, whichever whichever way you want to look at it. But as you said, they certainly need to take much uh, better care of the ball uh, having 19 steals, which is a, a franchise playoff record. So we both uh, predicted uh, da- uh, Boston in six. It's obviously looking a bit of a shaky prediction. How, how do you think this series shakes out from here? Do you, do you imagine Boston getting the next one and we're going to seven from here, Caddy? Is, is that how you think it's probably going to shake out? Um, oh, look, it's hard to tell. I think my predictions have been <laughs> absolutely ordinary all the way through. Obviously, we were pretty big on Phoenix and Milwaukee all the way through and got those wrong. So, yeah, God only knows what's going to happen from here. But oh, the momentum's clearly back with Miami after this one. I think if Boston had been able to, you know, get that comeback complete today, uh, they would have been feeling you know, really good about themselves yeah, at this stage. So it was, a, it was quite a big swing game for mine. I think the advantage is absolutely with Miami and I wouldn't be surprised if they were even able to close this out in five or six. Oh, you're switching your tip up, eh? Are you, are you, yeah. You're going to well, Miami. Just, you've got to go with it. You, you know, you've got to go with what you've seen today and, you know, providing Butler's going to be healthy, I think, um, yeah, the way the band played today and the lack of answers that Boston had for him and the depth that they had, though, I've just uh, put so many different looks at at Boston through this. I think, yeah, that this was such an important game uh, for Boston to, to have won and the fact Miami were able to do it on the road. Um, for me now, it's put it firmly back in, in their favour. Yeah, fair enough. It, it was a huge game, j- j- also considering the fact that the Butler did hurt his knee. Now, there was a report saying that it's not – there's no structural damage and he could potentially play in game four, which is interesting given you sit out the second half of, of a game three. Maybe they, they thought, we've got a bit of a cushion here. We'll see if we can hold on and have him right for game four. But it wouldn't surprise me if he sits out game four and, and Boston are able to tie this up. But interestingly enough, Caddy, uh, Miami have only won two of the eight quarters – sorry, two of the 12 quarters – that have played so far. Obviously, that that ga- the game one third quarter I mentioned thirty nine fourteen, and then today in the first quarter thirty nine eighteen. But Boston have won every other quarter, so I'm sticking to Boston. I just I still think that they can get across the line. 
you know, dependent upon the fact that Rob, Robert Williams can get back out there. It was, but from a Miami Heat perspective, it was good to see Bam Adebayo so so aggressive today. You could see it right from the word go that he was certainly looking more for his shot. So, yeah, cer- certainly a massive game for if Miami can pinch this one, you'd obviously think series over. So, you know, the, the season is basically on the line for Boston because I, I think you know, going into this, I thought they were the they were the team to beat for the championship. So, so game four will be absolutely massive. We'll swing over now, Caddy, to the West, where Golden State Dallas have played two games now. So game one, it was Golden State 112-87. It looked maybe a little bit like Dallas were a little bit tired after their seven-game series against Phoenix, despite the fact that they blew Phoenix out so convincingly in game five. But it was Golden State had seven players in double figures, so that was a really impressive from them to come out and start that series so strong. And then yesterday, Caddy, it was Golden State in game two, 126-17. Dallas actually had the lead 72-58 at halftime, but it was a Kevin Looney, Caddy, a Kevin Looney-inspired third quarter where he peeled off 11 points um, and finished with 21-12 and 12 for the game. Uh, Steph, uh, 32 points, eight rebounds and five assists. Jordan Poole had 23 off the bench and Luca. 42 points, five rebounds and eight assists. And Jalen Brunson also coming to the party thirty-one uh, with 31 points and five assists. So as I said, it was uh, Golden State uh, in that second half, 68, uh, scoring out, outscoring, sorry, Dallas, 68 to 48. So we both predicted, Caddy, Dallas to win this series. You took him in seven. I was going to take him in seven, but I didn't want to look like I was copying you. So I went him in six, which that sort of looks shot to shit now. But... How's your opinion of this series going now, Caddy? Is it is it flipped or is it you just sort of – did you think it was going to go this way? Golden State obviously had home court, so they'll probably expect it to win the first two games. We saw Dallas drop the first two games uh, in the Phoenix series and they were able to come back and win that in seven. So do you think this series is, is over now or do you think, you know, Dallas on the back of Luka uh, will be able to work their way back in, in this series? Oh, and no, I think it's too early to, to say it's over if you, you know, had the expectation – the Golden State would, you know, be able to convert at home, which they've done, then, you know, the series is still alive. Um, the thing that concerns you a little bit is I don't think, you know, when you look at, you know, particularly from the box ball, box score point of view, the, the recipe there for Dallas was how it played out, you know, a 40-point game from Luca, Brunson in a solid supporting role or more than solid with the 30 points. And then they found though, one of those other guys, whether, you know, we always talk about whether it was Dinwiddie, Kleber, Finney Smith or Bullock, and this one it was Reggie Bullock, six three pointers, so twenty one points there. So they that recipe seemed to work, but it's defensively where they just weren't able to stop Golden State at all. So um, that that's the real concern here because yeah, as I said, Dallas on paper have done everything they you know would think they need to get done to to win a game, but yeah, when you're not being able to stop anything and allow Kevin Looney really to dominate in the paint like he was able to do twenty one and twelve, um, pretty much played Dwight Powell off the off the floor. Maxi Kleber was minus 20 plus minus in his 33 minutes. So they just got absolutely, um, yeah, stuffed in the in the big man department. So, you know, you're going to get what you're going to get out of Curry, Thompson and, and Poole, and they did their things. But, yeah, that, that's a real game changer. Uh, Kevin Looney being able to dominate like he did. So they'll need to make some adjustments as they head back to Dallas and, you know, let, let's give them an opportunity to play at home first before we, before we anoint uh, the Warriors um, as the Western Conference champions. There's no doubt that's the biggest concern because we saw the recipe for for their success, particularly against Phoenix, is 
shoot a lot of threes and, and hit them at a good clip. Well, well, they did that. They were 21 of 45 from three at 46%, and, and you sort of ran through it there. Bullock, six of 10 from three. Finney Smith with three of six from three. Brunson was five of seven from three, and Luca was five of 10 from three. So that that is certainly the big concern, that they're probably not going to shoot the ball a hell of a lot better than that. But the recipe for the other recipe for Dallas Dallas's success this season has been their defense, and you know all credit to Jason Kidd. I you know I got to eat some humble pie here, Caddy. I question why Dallas would be going back to the well with a with a coach that had been tried at a couple of stops and hadn't been all that successful. But he's transformed their defense with pretty much a, a very similar list outside of your man Reggie Bullock, who's come in, who is a very good defender, but. You know, he shouldn't be the reason they've been able to transform their defense so much from last year compared to, to this season. But their defense has been elite all, all season. But in that second half, the Warriors were able to penetrate into the paint far too easily. They outscored Dallas in the paint 38-16, and they shot 14 of eight. That's in the second half only. And they shot 14 of 18 in the second half on uncontested field goals and 9 of 10 in that fourth fourth quarter on uncontested field goals. And that was the reason that... You know, Looney was so effective with his 11 points and 21 for the game because that, that penetration and, and, you know, he was getting easy little handoffs for dunks or layups. So that they got to get better at the point of attack defense and make sure that they, they're not letting, you know, Curry, uh, who else is getting into the paint, Jordan Poole, that these guys getting into the paint far too easily. So for me, it's a defense that has to come to the party. So so game three, Caddy, it's, it's obviously a, a must-win game for Dallas, is this just a game where Luca has to have a 50-point explosion or or are you looking for more uh, an even spread from Dallas? No, I think they got the mix right in this one. Um, yeah, I don't think you can expect Luca to do any more than what he's been doing. He's been, um, you know, terrific already. But, no, it's just they've got to tighten up defensively. They can't allow Golden State to have things on their terms. And as I mentioned, yeah, they can't allow, you know, a guy like Looney to, to get loose as well. So I think if they can... You know, get get the same production really out of what they got in this game. Yeah, they've just got to figure out a way to absorb the the offensive brilliance of, of Golden State. So, yeah, no, I think they'll get a an obvious lift being back in Dallas, and the crowd will be up and about. So, yeah, hopefully that would serve them well. And and yeah, they're right in this contest still. I think. Um, however, you know, if they don't work on those deficiencies, then it yeah it could be could be getting ugly for them pretty early. What about the Mavs? Uh, sorry, the Mavs. The Golden State Warriors have. Me and you, in particular, underestimated them a little bit, and they've been a bit sort of spotty throughout the playoffs. You know, they took care of Denver relatively easily, um, and then we saw in the last series against Memphis, they probably got a little bit lucky. With you know, they got blown out by forty or fifty points in one game, and then of course Jar Morant got injured, and they'd been up and down. Curry shooting had been, you know, spotty. We'd seen Draymond Green not really looking to score. Clay Thompson's shooting had been up, you know, probably more down than up. Uh, Jordan Pauletta had some really good games and some bad games. So there were some big question marks about Golden State, certainly for me anyway, heading into this series. What you've seen in game one and two, have they sort of now solidified themselves as the team to beat out of the remaining four, just based on the fact that they've got that that championship equity and they've been pretty impressive in their first two games here? I think I probably felt going in that whoever came out of the East might have been you know, the prohibitive favourite. Uh, to win the whole thing, just based on the you know the fact that Golden State, as much as we probably may have underestimated them, they've done all they had to do to win through to this part of the season. But yeah, they just looked a bit disjointed in that previous series. Uh, but yeah, no, they've got things absolutely right these first two games. Steve Kerr back on the bench as well is obviously a, a significant lift for them. But 
you know, they're doing everything they need to do to, to continue to give themselves a chance to win what will be, you know, a, probably their best championship, I think, if they can get through and win it and one that they'll be really proud of because I think there was obviously a lot of um, thoughts that, you know, those KD championships were probably a, a bit unfair the way that they, they were able to, to sort of get him at, at that time when the salary cap lifted and, and really made it uncompetitive there for a couple of seasons. So I think if they... You know, for Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green's legacies in particular, to get back to the well and, and have a chance to win another title will absolutely solidify any doubts there may have been around the legitimacy of a couple of their titles. So um, I'm kind of barracking for that in a sense because, yeah, you'd love to see that storyline. But, um, yeah, they've certainly done everything they need to do here in the first two games at home to give themselves a chance moving forward. Now, the NBA came out and announced I think it was last week or maybe the week before. I can't remember when it was. That they're now going to award uh, MVPs for, for each conference. We've got the Bird Trophy in the East and and, and the Magic Trophy in the West. I'll, I should have asked you about this in the previous series. At the moment, who, who would be leading in your eyes, Caddy, in the Miami-Boston series, the, the Larry Bird MVP Trophy for the Eastern Conference Championship? Oh, good question. Question um, without notice, good. I know. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, oh, look, at, I mean, if you're going to Miami, you're 2-1 up. Um, you know, I think Butler probably was the, the key player the first couple of games. Bam Adebayo today was clearly would have got the three votes. So be out of those two at this point. And if Butler, you know, misses a game or two, then you know probably puts it into Bam's court um, at this stage if they're to you know, come out of the series. Yeah, I agree. They're probably the two front. Well, Butler is certainly after his first two games. Jalen Brown's obviously been very good for for Boston certainly today. What what about in this series, Caddy? Golden State, Dallas. It's it's probably Steph. I think it's probably got his nose in front. Well, again, if the Warriors tune you up, you know, I think Luke has probably been the best player <laughs> so far. But, um, yeah, he's not going to get that if they get uh, beaten up in the series. But, yeah, Curry clearly would have the advantage uh, so far. So are you – where do you sit with this? Are you going to stick with your Dallas prediction in seven? Or for what you've seen, has that been enough to convince you that Golden State will be able to get across the line? No, I think I'll stick there for now. Like if you – as I said, if you're assuming that the home team are going to win – the, you know, their first couple of games and Dallas have a chance now to do that. But again, yeah, the minute they slip here, if, if they do at home, then yeah, the, the everything shifts back to Golden State's advantage clearly. But I've got all of these wrong all the way through and um, even on, you know, pretty much every game, I've probably much choosing the team that, that lost, so I won't. <laughs> so, so, you, so you're telling us you're due to get one right then, aren't you? Yeah, oh, I wouldn't have thought so. But yeah, look, I'll, I'll <laughs> stick with Dallas for now, but um, they've got certainly got the work ahead of them. Yeah, I'll stick with Dallas instead of going for six like I put up on our Facebook page, Caddy. I will go to the seven that I was initially going to go with and, and copy you. But, yeah, obviously a massive game three tomorrow for Dallas. Must win if they drop that. There's obviously no way they're coming back from, from an 0-3 deficit. We'll touch on, Caddy, the, the two teams that we saw eliminated last week. We'll start it off with, with the Phoenix Suns in what can only be described as a disastrous game seven loss, 123-90. They led the series uh, 2-0. You know, they were the best team right throughout the whole season. They looked like they were clearly the team to beat heading into the playoffs, but just a disaster, as I said, Game 7 for the Phoenix Suns. CP3 continued his, his bad last four games of the series. Basically, when he turned 37 or 38 or whatever he clicked over to, he just forgot how to play basketball. I don't know what the hell happened there. There was reports that he, that he did have a quad injury. We also saw Devin Booker really struggling Game 7. So, so what do you make of the Phoenix Suns, Caddy? Have we basically seen... Now that's sort of two seasons in a row where uh, Chris Paul's had good regular seasons but has struggled to stay stay healthy in the playoffs. Given he's now another year older, 
Have we seen the last sort of hurrah for the Phoenix Suns? We've also got DeAndre Ayton, who only played 17 minutes um, in that game seven. He's up for a contract extension in the offseason. So there's some really big question marks for me about the Phoenix Suns. How do you see their offseason going? And have we seen sort of the last of them being a championship contender? I think initially you always, you know, look to the negative, I think, when a team gets um, taken out. And I think, yeah, straight away you're thinking, oh, God, how, how's, how are they going to be able to run this back? It was a pretty brutal loss in the end. And the way Chris Paul particularly um, played at the end, you're just thinking, how in the hell is this guy going to continue to get better and, and take the next step or take help take the, the team to the next step? And, you know, Devin Booker, you know, clearly didn't sort of elevate his game to the level he needed to. And so then there's question marks around, well, is he a guy that, you know, he's going to be the number one guy moving forward or really is he, is he a Chris Middleton type number two player and they need another guy there to, to support. So, and then obviously uh, DeAndre Ayton as well as the, you know, the big question mark in the off season around the extension and then whether it's a sign and trade situation or whether. What would you do with him, Caddy? Would you, would you sign into a big deal and keep him? Would you sign him and trade him and maybe get, you know, in the, in this day and age, paying the centre big money unless you're a Jokic or an Embiid, is that a wise thing to do? Maybe they sort of spread that money out in other areas that they need some assistance. Is that the way you would go? Or do you just sign Aiton and, and keep him, you know, for at least the next couple of years and see how it pans out? Well, I think you've got to sign him initially and then whether it is to, to, to trade him um, because, yeah, otherwise, you know, if you're just letting him walk as a, as a free agent, then you kind of can't really re- replace that that cap number as well as you could have if you've been able to sign him initially. So, I mean, it, 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 you know, I like it even from a Bulls supporter. Like, could you, you know, could you flip him to Chicago as an example for, you know, Vukovic and, and Kobe White? You get another, you know, good big man in there. You don't like Vuce at all, do you, Caddy? Not that I don't like him. I just think, you know, I, I think you're a Vuce hater, Caddy. Come on, admit it. You've got a bit more star power there potentially than the Vooch and, you know, just thinking more from a Phoenix point of view, if you can replace eight for Vucevic and get another, you know, another three-point shooter effectively, I think that's, you know, going to help them rejuvenate what they've got because, yeah, they've been, you know, terrific regular season team, as you said, for a couple of years, haven't quite been able to find a way through, um, all the way through in the playoffs. They, you know, Mikael Bridges has got the extension. His number goes up significantly from next year. So they're going to get pretty hamstrung pretty quickly with this uh, group and, and the salary. Some of these guys are going to get paid. So I, I think, yeah, with eight, you, you've probably got to bite the bullet, sign him, and whether it is to then trade him, I think might be the, the best way forward. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how good they're going to be feeling about that Chris Paul extension uh, that, that he earned last season with, you know, three years and the best part of $90 million left on that. Um, it's you know it was always going to be fraught with danger and he, he played up to his, his number this year no doubt but yeah just couldn't quite elevate again as the season got longer and longer so yeah concerns absolutely but I think initially you you, you back these guys into to to come back and, and perform well again uh, but yeah certainly some tweaks might be needed just to to freshen up freshen the group up. I think you, you sort of have to run it back. You, you just sort of rely upon the fact that you're hoping that there was sort of some sort of injury to, to Chris Paul. But, but as I said, you know, he, he had an injury in the playoffs last year as well. So given his age, is it just is this just Chris Paul now that he's going to sort of not going to be able to sustain a high level of play for a regular season and the playoffs? So maybe you limited his minutes a lot throughout the playoffs. But, but he did have that hand injury, which obviously saved him some miles through the regular season. So I think it's just probably been magnified 
uh, by the fact that they just went out so disappointingly in that game seven. So I'd imagine they're probably going to run it back. Their their owner, Robert Sava, has historically been known to be a little bit cheap when it comes to contracts, but he did hand out the big contract to, to Chris Paul in, in the last offseason. So you'd imagine they would sign Aiton to an extension and just play out next season, see how it goes, and then maybe reevaluate from there. Because I think we thought last season was probably Chris Paul's last sort of throw at the stumps to, to win that title. Certainly it's looking that this season was, but I, I guess you never know. He, he did prove us wrong last year. So as a massive Chris Paul fan, hopefully he can come back next year and, and, and Phoenix can compete. But, you know, it's looking like pretty long odds. You'd imagine Denver are going to be pretty strong next year. Dallas, you know, obviously are going to be very good next year. Golden State, Clay Thompson, you'd imagine will be better, will be better next year. Who knows what's going to happen with the Lakers. So this could have been the, the year that got away for the Phoenix Suns, but hopefully uh, they can bounce back next year. The other team we saw, Caddy, that was eliminated in Game 7 was the Milwaukee Bucks. They they lost 109-81 to um, Boston in Game 7, which probably wasn't wasn't a surprise. They didn't have Chris Middleton throughout the playoffs, so you could just see they'd started to wear down. So I guess the biggest question for Milwaukee is, what, what do you need to do outside of Giannis and Middleton and Holiday? We saw their role players come up pretty short throughout the playoffs. Grayson Allen, he's on a $9.6 million deal. He was exposed uh, throughout the playoffs, so it's certainly on the defensive end. And if he's knocking, not not knocking down the three ball, he's really hard to play. You know, Wes Matthews was playing significant significant minutes for them. He, he's a, he's on a veteran minimum contract. He was picked up off the scrap heap, so they probably need to get better in that department. George Hill, who's due uh, four million dollars next year, so those three guys for me there probably highlighted throughout the playoffs that if you're going to win a championship, you need to upgrade in those three positions. Is that where they sit for you, Caddy? You know, obviously if Middleton was was in the picture, uh, these playoffs are, you know, this potentially could still be going. But for me, I think they need to improve on the periphery outside their big three. Yeah, well, that's the formula, no doubt. You surround Jonathan with shooters and, and, and role players. But, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned here um, with Milwaukee. I think, um, you know, you take – We've probably mentioned it a number of times, but you take the second best player out of any of these teams. I mean, if if Golden State didn't have Draymond Green or Clay Thompson playing, there's no way they're going to win the series. You know, if Boston didn't have Jalen Brown playing, you know, they wouldn't have got through. So, I think we underestimate at times, you know, and probably again, when a team loses a, a a big playoff series, then you look you're looking straight away at the negatives. But they they get upgraded straight away with Middleton coming back in. They'll be a terrific regular season team again. Giannis, I think, is the best player. In the competition, and still absolutely in the prime of that. So yeah, I think yeah, just around the fringes, um, they could be looking to upgrade their you know their role players and shooters. But you know they're always going to be able to find guys to do that, like they have done in, in previous seasons. So yeah, I'm not totally concerned about. It. I think they'll just shit out of luck that Middleton wasn't able to play in these playoffs for them. And yeah, effectively, I think that was the difference. Do you think they're regretting that trade they made at all at the trade deadline? They essentially swapped Di Vincenzo who's a good sort of, well, not, not a great, but he's at least a wing scorer who could knock down a three for Serge Barker, who basically, I don't think he played at all really in the playoffs for him. Probably they were a bit concerned about Brook Lopez's back injury, but he was able to come back in time and contribute for them. So just getting to DeLorean caddy and, and and undo that trade, would, would that have made any difference, just being able to have another live body out there who could defend and, and shoot the three instead of playing Grayson Allen 20 25 minutes when he's basically a, a turnstile on defense. Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole thing is that yeah he would have been able to replace Grayson Allen rather than having to play him if he did have that extra play. But as you said at the time, there was 
definitely Brook Lopez insurance. Uh, that's what the Ibarca trade would have been all about. And in the end, he, he was not required really to, to play at all. So, yeah, look, I'm sure they would, would might have wanted their time back potentially on that one. But, you know, I think it was a fair roll of the dice at the time um, when Lopez clearly wasn't looking like he was going to be suiting up anytime soon. And they brought Matthews in um, effectively to cover cover that kind of role anyway, and, and he played in there. So, yeah, they will probably just one extra guy down there as part of that rotation in, in the, the wing area. But, um, yeah, at the time, probably a, a worthwhile uh, risk to take. And I was probably surprised in the end that, you know, Abaka was, um, yes, so unused for them. You think there could have been a role carved out um, at some point for him. But, um, yeah, look, as I said, if, if Middleton was out there on the floor, the whole thing might have been a different story. So it's going to be interesting to see can Giannis draw those sort of those older players that are looking for for one last shot at a ring like LeBron did, obviously. But Milwaukee's certainly not a, a destination location like Miami was or the, the Lakers are. Although LeBron was able to draw a few of them to Cleveland, so it's going to be really interesting to see whether these older veteran players are going to want to come and play with Giannis. I mean, I can't think why they wouldn't. He's he's a very you know selfless uh, player. He you know he passes well, he defends well, he doesn't seem to be one of these sort of egomaniac players that we do see sometimes um, from these superstars. So a very interesting off-season for Milwaukee from a perspective to see if they can sort of bolster those uh, bit players around Giannis. We're going to call it there, Caddy. Um, as I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download this podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and given us a, a five-star rating, please do so. We've got the, the Facebook page up and going, Caddy, where every episode gets posted. Uh, we've got a, a big week coming up, Caddy. Next time we speak, we could be on the uh, on the brink of having some Game 7s or we could have the, the final set, which will be uh, uh, very exciting. So until next week, we'll talk to you then.